Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Good morning, church. This is for later. My son just saw that. He's like, why do you have my book? I'm like, I'm not telling you right now. Um, Thanks for having me these last three weeks. They have gone quickly. Uh, quickly by. I may or may not have invited myself back um, at the first of the year, so we'll, we'll uh, I, don't, I don't quite know dates yet, but no, I, it's, it's just been awesome just being here. You guys have been so gracious, such hospital hosts, and, uh, and just your kind words of encouragement, so yeah, thanks. And um, we do have one last week, though, so we're, we're going to conclude our time talking about prayer, and specifically uh, unanswered prayer. You, we can't talk about prayer uh, without talking about unanswered prayer. And so um, I'll give us a brief introduction to that here in a moment. But will you pray with me as we get started? God, I love you. Uh, we love you. And we just thank you for today. Thanks for letting us be a part of it. Thank you for this church and all the ways in which you have blessed it. Uh, thank you for the movement, your movement here within this congregation and just all the various ways in which this church gets to impact the community in which you've called them to love and to serve. God, we've been trying our best these last few weeks just to wrap our heads around and maybe just a little bit more what it means to talk to you and it's intimidating, but we're trying our best. We're trying our best to know who you are in light of who we are uh, and, uh, and this, is, this is a humbling thing, but we're so thankful. So thankful for your grace and your mercy, Jesus which you display there on the cross for us and which we return to often. And so as we talk about these prayers, these specific prayers which go unanswered, um, we just ask for your help, help in understanding these things. Uh, so as we open your word, um, I ask for, uh, ask for help. Help me so, so that I might be helpful to these brothers and sisters in Christ so that in turn we all might go be helpful to those whom you've called us to love. And so we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, um, last week, uh, we talked about repetitive prayer. So the goal here was that I wanted us to at least accept this spiritual reality that we are called to pray for a lot of different things, but we're also called to pray a lot for one thing. And so we based this, we grounded this not only in humility, but in the resurrection of Christ. And so I told you the story, right, about this this prayer prayed over me and my family, right? And, and yet, what my hope was is that we would resurrect some of these dead prayers. And so I don't know how this resided with you and as just kind of the week went on, but today we're gonna talk about uh, unanswered prayer. And here's the reality. Um, the answer is sometimes no. So I could get through this pretty quickly. Um, yeah, right, I could get through this pretty quickly. The answer is no. Which in and of itself is an answer, by the way. It's just from our interpretation of this, a no just feels like an unanswered prayer because it's not what we were asking for or about. Do you see this? We're going to get there, I promise. And the greatest of examples for us in this whole process, as we think through this, is going to be Jesus himself. So that's where we're going to end. And I promise we'll get there. But when dealing with unanswered prayer, there's this other spiritual truth that has kind of emerged in the midst of study, and it goes like this. I think there's not as much unanswered prayer as we might think. Well, how do I know this? Well, I don't know this. 
I'm just using my own life as this example. But I think that there's not as much unanswered prayer as we might think. And here's how it works, though. What happens is, is um, because God doesn't answer a prayer on my timing, through my means, based on my wisdom, what we end up doing is, is we end up prematurely declaring that a prayer is unanswered. But remember, from the beginning, this has all been about humility. Knowing who God is in light of who we are. But here's the thing. When we know who God is in light of who we are, we don't try to approach God and then tell him that this prayer has gone unanswered when all along God has been waiting for his appointed time. So before we get to the no, I want to I flesh out what this might look like for you and I in these moments in which we have um, spiritually declared that a particular prayer is unanswered just because it wasn't answered through our means and in our timing. And what's fun about this one is, is we have a biblical example to look at. It's from the Old Testament of all places. So this will be kind of a fun morning. We'll spend some time in the Old Testament, and then we'll spend some time in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, there's this amazing story. Um, it's pretty graphic in nature. Uh, out by the books is Reggie. Reggie's one of my students at Arizona Christian University. He's not getting any extra credit by being here, so hopefully he can hear that, right? But he's here. <laughs> And so, um, but one of the things that I do is I tell my students, when you come to these moments, these kinds of passages, like, don't you dare tell me the Bible's boring when we read a story like we're going to read right now. And we're going to look at Abraham and Sarah and their relationship, awkward as it may be, with Hagar. Because what we're going to end up seeing in this is that what, what Abraham and Sarah do is, is they attempt to generate their own answer to their own prayer request. When all along God was saying, would you just wait for my time? So I want to show you this. Sound fun? Okay, so let's go. Um, Genesis 15, 1. Genesis 15, 1. What you're going to have to trust me on some of this too as we just unpack. Uh, I didn't want to just read a verse uh, or even verses. And so what we're actually going to do is we're going to walk through um, some of these passages so that we can, my hope is, experience what's going on in Genesis and not just uh, absorb some verses that just seem to support our case. And so here we start in Genesis 15, 1, and it says this. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Here's the deal. Genesis 15 is incredibly annoying. It's not Abraham, but it's Abram. It's not Sarah, but it's Sarai. I'm going to try my best to read it right. If I mess up, you can laugh at me. That's fine. I'm trying my best, right, to capture uh, these names in their setting, right? And so the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? This is one of our first kind of like, we're let in just a little bit in terms of the heart of Abram and Sarai because they've remained childless and they keep getting older. And so as they keep getting older, they keep thinking that it's impossible for God to deliver this child. And then he concludes, he says, in the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Poor Eleazar. And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring 
And a member of my household will be my heir. See, this is what Abram has concluded concerning his heir. It won't come from Sarai, but it's going to be Eleazar. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you were able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. The point is, this numerical value will be quite large, and it will not come from Eleazar. It will be his own heir. This passage is precious to us in Scripture because this is where we get this everlasting covenant made between God and Abraham. One thing that I do want us to make sure we don't miss, though, is that God has heard Abraham and Sarah's prayer for a child. However, we must also notice that God, what God does not tell them, is when this will take place. Then we move forward to Genesis 15. I'm sorry, we move forward to Genesis 16. One. Now, Sarai... Abram's wife had borne him no children. This is our way of continuing to know that the prayer has still not been answered. Sarah hasn't had a child yet. But we learn in verse 1 of chapter 16 that there was a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai and Abram, I'm sorry, and Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, O Lord. The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go in to my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. So what do they do? Notice, they create something of their own and call it an answer to their prayer. They decide that Abraham is to have a child with Hagar and that this would be the heir, not Eleazar. So what they've done is they've taken matters into their own hands. Surely in a room like this, as we've prayed for something, yet to receive the answer, there is that temptation. Well, what if we just do this? It might still accomplish it. It's still like, I maybe have a Bible verse, or my mentor said it would be fine, right? It seems to align with the preacher's sermon, right? And so what we do is is we, we believe that we have this ability then to generate something of our own, like, Abram and Sarai, but we've got to see how the story unfolds. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she, Sarai, looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I didn't even make that funny. I'm going to leave that there. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. See, Moses tells us that it had been 10 years. 10 years they've been praying for this, so we're aware. 10 years they had been waiting. Guess what? Sometimes 
It may take 10 years for God to answer your prayer. See, this is why I want to kind of, before we get to the clear no's, I don't know if you're in the midst of 10 years. See, I don't know what's going on specifically, but if you're in the midst of 10 years, let's not rush to declare such prayer unanswered because it hasn't been answered in 10 years. Praying for something takes patience. What I mean by patience is that praying for something might look like not declaring unanswered prayer too soon, not generating something of your own and calling it God's will. Verse 6 of chapter 16 of Genesis. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled. The angel of the Lord found her, Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The Bible then says that Sarah deals harshly with Hagar to the point that she flees. Notice that Hagar is not disciplined by God. She has not been disobedient according to God. Hagar is being treated unfairly as a result of other people who have taken matters into their own hands. Abram and Sarah grew tired of waiting for God's answer to their prayer, so they created something of their own and called it God's will. This was not an innocent decision. This decision changed Hagar's life forever. But, watch the grace of God. The angel of the Lord in verse 9 said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. No way. Verse 10, The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. God blesses Hagar. See, in the midst of Abram and Sarah creating something of their own and then calling it God's will, and then those ill effects that then it comes upon Hagar, God doesn't come down on Hagar. He blesses her. We're actually going to see here shortly in the story uh, that the promise and the blessing to Abram and Sarai, that doesn't go away either. In verse 11 it says, And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant. You shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. Up to this point, by the way, Hagar knows more about the promise than Abram and Sarah do about their soon-to-be heir. They know a name. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction, he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. This angel of the Lord appears to Hagar and comforts her and offers her a blessing from the Lord. So what's the blessing? A blessing of a great nation from her son, Ishmael. Even in the midst of the mess, God still remains gracious. I don't know what kinds of messes you're dealing with in your life, but one thing I can assure you, 
is that God remains gracious. Right? When all else is changing in our world, God does not change. God's character doesn't change even though we do. God remains the same. He blesses Hagar. Verse 13. Genesis 16, 13. So we're just watching this story unfold. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called, I don't even want to try to pronounce that, it lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. We learn something here. We learn that Abram must have been somewhere around 76 years old when these prayers, right, at least were brought into them in chapter 15. But then you get this description. Remember I told you, right, we, when we understand humility, we understand who God is in light of who we are. In the midst of this mess, as God remains gracious, Hagar describes who God is in light of who she is. She describes God like this. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. This is comfort to be found in the mess. This is what comfort in the mess looks like. It doesn't clean up the mess, but it lets you know that God sees you. You are not alone. He's there to comfort you. Even in those moments in which you are in the midst of the messes of life, God sees you. He's looking after you. Here is what God didn't do. God didn't clean up the mess. God didn't make the mess go away. Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael all have to go through the mess. But God is with them throughout. More on this in just a little bit. Then we've got this long kind of passage. And the difficulty in preparation for this particular uh, Sunday was trying to figure out because I was somewhat immovable on just throwing you verses and just saying, believe me, I wanted you to see it. And so we've got this next little chunk of scriptures that I want to read through and walk through with you. But in this instance, I might not have the specific passages to throw up for you, but I'll walk you through it and I'll let you know these words. But I want to just kind of read and, and, and recapture what has taken place. And we start this in Genesis 17, 15. It goes like this. It says, Then God said to Abram, Remember, they have made a complete mess of things. They have brought great trouble to Hagar and Ishmael, yet God remains gracious throughout it all. God tells Abraham this, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. Even in the midst of all that has taken place, God's response to Sarah is to bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. The promise doesn't change. Even though they have taken matters into their own hand, the promise remains the same. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Genesis 15, 
15 through 16. God never gives up on them. God's word remains true. Then Abraham does what only you do when God tells you he will do the impossible. He falls in his face and he laughs and says to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? Genesis 17, 17. Remember how old Abraham was when this all started? Roughly 76 years old. Now he is close to a hundred. If there was ever a time to declare that a prayer is unanswered, it is now. If there was ever a time to create something of your own and call it God's will, it is now. By the way, how do you know when your heart is about to give up on a prayer? Maybe you laugh about it. You laugh at the possibility of God actually answering it. Abraham then tells God in Genesis 17, 18, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. We've moved on from Eleazar. Now it's, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. This is the first point in the entire story, over a decade, in which now we're starting to learn more about this child, this heir. His name will be Isaac. And God says, I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Genesis 17, 19-21. Now we finally get let in on God's appointed time. It's this time next year. We know a name for this child. It's Isaac. It's not Eleazar, it's not Ishmael, it's Isaac. Imagine us. If God told us when he would answer our prayer, this would be nice, wouldn't it? Have you ever prayed this way? God, just tell me what to do and I'll, I'll do it. We could go about our business and not give a thought to the Lord because we would know when he would show up. This would be convenient. This would be helpful. But this isn't how God works. He wants us dependent upon him, maybe for over 10 years. Keeping us dependent means not telling us when or how. Let me say it this way. The easier thing to do is to declare that the prayer is unanswered than to wait in the unknown. At this time, Abraham was 99 years old. Ishmael was 13 years old. After God had spoken with Abraham, he then took all those under his authority, including Ishmael, and all the men of his house, and Abraham circumcised them as he was commanded to do in Genesis 17, 25-27. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. Abraham was at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. This is why I didn't want to just quote verses, but I wanted you to see then Abraham saw three men standing in front of him. 
He then bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourself. And after that, you may pass on. They said, do as you have said. Genesis 18, 5. Then Abraham went quickly to Sarah and said, Quick, three seas of fine flour kneaded and make cakes. And then Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, hand set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. While the men were eating, they asked where Sarah was. Abraham said that she was in the tent. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. The last time this was mentioned, it was to Abraham. And the last time it was mentioned, Abraham did what? He laughed on his face. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door. And when she heard this, she laughed to herself, thinking after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure. Genesis eighteen twelve. I love this. This is one of my favorite questions in the entire Bible. You should write this down. Underline it. Watch what the Lord says next. Then the Lord responds, why did Sarah laugh? And say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Here's the question. One of the most profound ones in the entire Bible, especially when you're trying to figure out what kind of heart you have. Is it humble or not? The very next question goes like this. From Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a question. That's a question for Sarah to answer. That's a question for Abraham to answer. And ultimately, wherever you're at in those 10 years, that's a question for you to answer. Because depending on how you answer that, I think I know whether or not you've declared this prayer unanswered or not. As believers in God, we should return to this question often in our moments of doubt. We should return to this question in our moments where we think it best to move on from praying for something or about something. We should return to this question. This question tests what we think about God. If humility says that we know who God is in light of who we are, then this question reveals who we think God is. Is anything too hard for the Lord? When we declare that prayer is unanswered prematurely, what we are really saying is that what we, what we are praying for or about is too difficult for the Lord, even when it seems impossible. Genesis 21, we do have a slide for this one. We kind of pick back up the story. So we've lost Genesis 18 and the story just kind of unfolds, but this becomes one of our next major kind of markers in this story. And it begins like this. 
And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Of course he would. He's God. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Of, of course he would, right? He's God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, notice this, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Here's what? Here's the answer to this prayer. Here's what wasn't too impossible for the Lord to do. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I want to go back to my favorite question. Right after God asks, Is anything too hard for the Lord? God said this. He says, At the appointed time. I will return to you. Here is how prayer works. God answers prayer at his appointed time. Not, not ours, not yours. When we declare that prayer is unanswered prematurely, what we are doing is no longer trusting that God is who he says he is. And instead, we are elevating our own appointed time as the answer. That is what Sarah and Abraham did with Hagar. They created their own appointed time. Then it begs this question, what appointed time are you attempting to create? Whatever it is that you create, I can promise you it's not better than or greater than or equal to God's appointed time. That's easier said than done, right? In year four of 10 years. In year six of 10 years and you're seven, and then you're just done. And it honestly could be longer. I'm just using this because this seems to be the time frame here found in Genesis. Um, again, I don't know where we're at, but surely we've been praying. Surely there's been things in our life in which we have declared unanswered prematurely because it wasn't our appointed time. Here's all I want to do, and we're going to have a moment at the, at the conclusion here where you're going to get time to think about this with the Lord. Um, but if you've done such a thing, it's okay. You know why? Because God is gracious. He was gracious with Abraham, with Sarah, with Hagar. Um, there's still time to do the right thing. There's still time to trust in the Lord. But this will be between you and him in that moment. With that said, though, I do want to turn, though, to a no. Because sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes uh, the answer is, is, is no. And the Lord doesn't owe us anything as an explanation as to why it's no. We trust the Lord, right? We trust that the Lord is good, but the answer is just sometimes no. 
And there's really, there's two examples I could have drawn from, but I chose, um, I chose Jesus. The other one is Paul, the thorn in the, f- in the flesh, right? He, he prays for this to re- be removed, right? The answer is no, that's a good one. But it's not better than Jesus. So we get to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is in Matthew 26, 36. It starts like this. It says, Then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and what? Pray. It's amazing how many examples we've had, right, in just these three weeks in which just the biblical authors themselves, right, are pointing us towards prayer, teaching us how to pray. And so here, sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Jesus even said, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. In the midst of of no's, when the answer is no, um, nowhere does it say not to be sorrowful. It might hurt. It might not be fun. It might be painful. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death, verse 38. Then in verse 39, he says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed. A little different than the others falling on their face and laughing, right? But here he falls on his face and he prays, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. I always wondered if this was payback for when they were on the boat, right? Jesus is sleeping, right? And they're thinking they're all going to die. Probably not, but it's still fun. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And then in verse 42 it says, And again for a second time he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again it came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. This is kind of a combination of our last two weeks. On the one hand, you see Jesus praying repetitively, but different than in other examples, uh, Jesus doesn't get justice against his adversary. He doesn't get bread at midnight. Um, but instead, the answer to Jesus is, is going to be no. This cup cannot pass, right? It is not the Father's will. And so Jesus came to the disciples and he said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Three times Jesus prays. Three times the answer is no. If you'll also notice that in the midst of his unanswered prayer, notice the help Jesus also sought from his friends. There's something rich about community, Christian community, that when the answer is no and it's sorrowful and it hurts, 
There is community which comes alongside you in your weakest moments and says, I'm here with you. I will go through this no with you. Jesus didn't want to be alone. Which then ultimately leaves me with my final conclusion about unanswered no and that sometimes, I'm sorry, unanswered no, unanswered prayer, and that sometimes the answer is no. I think at times the best that we have um, is the comfort of God as we go through it. Um, it doesn't change the circumstances. It doesn't make it any better. Um, but it, what it does is it lets us know that we are not going through this alone, that God is, in fact, a God who sees. And so I was thinking of the best way um, to visualize this, um, something that might kind of, yeah, help us see it a little bit better. And um, did, when you guys um, had kids, or maybe you have kids, did you ever read... Um, we're going on a bear hunt. Did you read this? Yeah, I brought it with me over there, and Ollie's like, why do you have my book? I'm like, because I'm going to read it. And he looked at me like, why are you going to read that right now? <laughs> We're going on a bear hunt. Michael Rosen um, has written this, and this is one of my favorite theological treaties on unanswered prayer. Because as you see it, well, hopefully you will see it here in a moment. Let me read it to you. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh-oh, grass. Long, wavy grass. Here's where it gets profound. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. We've got to go through it. Swishy, swashy, swishy, swashy, swishy, swashy. We're going on a bear hunt. Are you like, is he really going to read this? <laughs> We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh-oh, a river, a deep, cold river. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. We've got to go through it. Splash, splosh, splash, splosh. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh-oh, mud. Thick, oozy mud. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. We've got to go through it. See, what I don't know I don't know what you've got to go through, right? I don't know what you've gone through or what you're in the midst of going through, but we're going to go through things. This is an if, but when. And when these moments occur and when it is, the answer is no. Healing, no. To preserve life, no. We pray that a war wouldn't happen and it happens, right? When the answer is no, what we're left with is not a remedy with which God comes along and cleans it up for us, but what he does do is he promises to go through it with us. This is a God whom sees. And so we can find comfort here. But what we have to realize is that if what we're looking for by way of comfort is the mess to go away, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't want to set you up for failure. The mess might not go away, 
But I know with confidence that you don't have to go through the mess by yourself. So here's what I want to do. I want you to pray. So I want you to close your eyes and, uh, and bow your heads. And, and what I want to do in this moment of prayer is I want to, I want to think about a few things just to kind of leave you with. If you've generated something of your own with the attempt of calling it God's will or an answer to prayer, um, there's no safer place to go than before God and to say, I'm sorry, and to confess such sin. And so I want to give you that time um, to cleanse yourself of this, right? Think back to week one in our discussion of confessionary prayer. And so take a moment to do this. And God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then the other element to your time in prayer is that if you're in the midst of a no, I need you to answer this question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? My hope is is that might keep you praying just a little bit longer. Or, if it's conclusive, the answer is no. And they're gone, and you're trying to figure out why they're gone, right? The answer is no. Um, Ask the Lord, invite him to go through this with you. You do not need to go through this alone. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.